am so excited to be with you guys this morning. Over the past couple of months, like while we've done worship times, we've done prayer services, and we've done those types of things, God just has been laying on my heart a word that I can't get away from. And that word would be the word surrender. It's one, every time I'm like, are you sure, God? Is this like what, what you have for the church? Is this what you have as a challenge in my life? He's like, yes, I want you to speak on surrender. If there's one thing that I've learned this year, um, it would be that really we don't have a whole lot of control over really anything. And even those areas that we can control, sometimes it's should we be controlling those areas. But ultimately I've learned that I need to surrender and give all control to Jesus because he's the only one that has all the answers. He's the only one that has everything together. And so that is really important to to give control to Jesus. But you know, it's not easy to be surrendered. It takes hard work. It takes obedience. It takes sacrifice. It means giving up some stuff. Surrender is difficult. It's not an easy thing. When I think of surrender, uh, a good definition to me of surrender would be trust. Because ultimately, to give control to something or somebody, you have to be willing to trust that person or that thing. And in this case, Jesus. I love Jesus so much, and that's why to be able to give him control and to trust him is easy when you get to a place where you fully believe he is who he says he is, and you can recognize the work that he's done in your life. The idea of trust makes me think a little bit of my kids. So we are a family of seven. I've got five kids, which as you can imagine is one, a little crazy and chaotic often, but it also means that, you know, we're busy a lot. We like doing things. But as a family, we love going on vacation. Anybody else just love vacation? If you don't love vacation, you should learn to love vacation because rest is a discipline and is important in your life. So as our family, we love going on vacation. But you could imagine that to go anywhere too crazy could cost a lot of money if we chose to fly. I mean, it's a good $3,000 for me to go out to fly to Arizona with my family. It's expensive. So we don't typically fly. We normally will drive. But we also don't choose just to be a vacation that's you know, within three hours, six hours of here. No, we choose places that require us to drive 10, 15, 18 hours. It's a long, long trek. And we've always done it in a big old high top conversion van, nine passenger. I mean, this van is huge. Up until recently, the van is kind of, you know, on its last leg. It doesn't want to travel any longer. So you could imagine our family of seven piled up in these vans and driving to wherever it may be. Myrtle Beach, um, Florida. We've taken a drive out to Arizona before. I mean, that's a long trek. We're talking 28 hours. When we're doing that, all different types of seasons, all different locations, there's a variety of weather that you encounter. We've been in ice storms, we've been in snow, it's been super windy, um, and in that high-top conversion van, that's not really easy to drive because you're kind of all over the place. So pouring down rainstorms, whatever. I, it never ceases to amaze me in those situations I can turn around and look at my children sitting in the back seat. And there they are playing video games, watching TV, maybe even sleeping. And they, they can do that. Why? Because they trust the driver. They trust the person who's in control of that vehicle. They have no care for what's happening around outside of them. They're focused on what's inside and they know they can rest, they can be at peace because they know the driver's in control. Can you believe that that type of trust is possible with God? 
that we can have that, that we can live that type of life. I'll be honest, I'm kind of the exact opposite of my children when we go on car trips. Um, I, I must not trust the driver a whole lot. However, he's never proven himself to be unworthy of trust. Uh, he's a fantastic driver. But clearly, I don't have a whole lot of trust for him because when I ride in the car, I instead am refreshing my weather app constantly and like, is there a tornado? I think there's a tornado warning. Should we be driving any longer? Like, it's just going to pop out of the sky and sweep us away. Or should we maybe just pull over for a little bit? Like, we could eat now. It's no big deal. And my driver's like, no, we're going to plow through. <laughs> but it's funny, but that's how we are in our lives. We see every, because I know in the car, I know what's happening outside. I know what could go wrong. I know how bad things could be if something bad were to happen. Like, I see all of that. And in our lives, we do that with the Lord, because we know what's happening in our lives. We know the chaos that's outside. We know our plans and our dreams and our hopes. And it's hard when we know all of that to say, Jesus, I trust you. But we can trust the driver. So some of you might be sitting there thinking, there's no way I can trust anyone like that. But you know, when we are surrendered to Jesus, we can trust him no matter what's happening around us. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the idea of surrender. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. And right before this, Jesus has just told his disciples that he is going to die and that he's going to be raised again. This is, they've not heard this. They didn't re really recognize that. Can you imagine walking with somebody who you love and all the miracles that they're doing and get to a place where he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised back to life. So he's just told them this. So in verse 23 it says, He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my work, or my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And I like how it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely, embrace my cross, so Jesus' cross, as your own, and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more true life. These are only a few verses out of the Bible, but this is huge because this is what we're called to do. It's what Jesus asks of us. If we're going to follow him, this is what we have to do and how we have to live. So you might be thinking, why in the world would I do that? Like, why would I choose to be a Christian? Why would I choose to follow Jesus if it means picking up a cross and following him? Well, verse 24 says that she'll embark on a discovery of more and more true life. And that's why, because when we die to self, when we die to what it is Jesus has for us, that's where we find true life. So how do we live that? How do we find a life of surrender? Well, the first thing we do is we have to lose your cross. We like to look at the cross as a symbol, right? Like a lot of people will wear crosses around their neck, or you maybe you'll see them hung on a wall in somebody's house. We have them in here on the wall or out front under the canopy. Some people will tattoo a cross on their body to just remind them of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them, right? For us, it's a remembrance thing. It's something to say, I love Jesus, and a way of 
kind of marking ourselves that, hello, I serve Jesus. But in the time of the Bible, that's not at all what a cross meant. The cross was not a symbol of anything good. The cross meant one thing, and that meant that you would surely die. If you had to carry a cross, you would die. So the disciples and the people that heard this would have known that when Jesus said to pick up his, to pick up his cross. It meant they'd have to carry something that would lead them to death. People also didn't ever carry a cross for fun. It's not like you just said, yep, I'm going to do this, and you put a cross on your back and went walking. It was something that was put on you. So it was not voluntary. It would not have been something that you would be like, yeah, choose me. I'll carry a cross. I'll go die. No, it was something that you were that was put on you. And then when you did, there was one way. It was a one-way journey. You'd never come back from it. Whether we know it or not, we all have crosses in our life. The crosses that we carry... Pastor Chris was talking about it a little earlier. When we put on a cross, it's things like unforgiveness. It's things like bitterness. It's things like putting our job before our family or putting our wants and our desires and our dreams above the things that the Lord has. Those are all crosses that we choose to pick up and carry. And if we continue that way, then when we die, we have nothing to show for what it is that we've done because we've been carrying our own cross. But Jesus asks us to lay down our cross, to lay down our things, to lay down our desires, and to pick up what it is that he has for us and to follow him. To follow Jesus and take up his cross, we must realize that that means letting go of everything for him. It's a sacrifice, and it's one we have to choose. It's not just going to be put on us. We're not just going to magically become Christians and then say, ooh, awesome, now this is what I get to do. You have to choose to do it. So that leads me to the second thing, because that means that we have to lose our self-focus. You can't pick up a cross, you can't pick up somebody else's cross, and you can't lay down everything you want if you only care about yourself, right? So we have to lose that idea that, of self. You hear a lot about self, right? We hear a lot about self-care, you know, make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you make time for yourself. The phrase, you do you, you know, worry about you, you do what you want to do, you care about you, Whatever you want to do is good. That's not the way that Jesus called us to live. It's not all about self. And those things are good things. Like, don't hear me wrong. It's, I mean, I am just as much as the next person loving going to get my nails done or sit in a bathtub for a little bit. Like, self-care is important, and caring about yourself and not only the needs of others is important. But when that's all we care about, if we just care about ourselves, we can't care about Jesus and we can't care about people around us. Human nature wants to indulge in self, not deny self. So this makes me think of my kids a little bit. If any of you have kids, you can attest to this. And if not, if this is not anything that you've seen from a child, then please let me know your tips because you clearly are a better parent than me. Um, But with kids, you know, if you give them an option, right? So you ask them, like, I could ask my Avery, she's in here, dish some ice cream for everybody. So she'll dish out some ice cream, and then you're saying, okay, now you pick yours, and you give yours to the rest. Or she could even ask somebody else, pick your ice cream. What is a kid going to do? They're not going to say, oh, here, let me take this small one, and let me give everything else to everybody, right? They're going to look at them, and they, like, weigh them, and they look at them, and they're like, this one's not as the same as this other one, right? And they almost always pick the bigger option because that benefits them the most. That's just natural, right? That's how we choose normally to live our lives, not caring about the next person, not thinking about another person. It takes work. 
to do that. It takes something unnatural to care for another person. Dying to yourself is always terrible. It's not like the best thing in the world. I would prefer to eat the bigger ice cream than to eat a smaller ice cream. I mean, let's be honest. And I like to eat ice cream like every single night. So you can pray for me. <laughs> but it's, it's terrible. It's not easy. It's not pleasant. But it's the radical command of the Christian life. It, I think this is probably one of the hardest things we, we do as a Christian, and that is to lay down our lives and to choose others over ourselves. But this also means being Jesus-centered. It doesn't only mean others. It means to be Jesus-centered. We have to be willing to surrender our desires, our will to his in order to truly live. So about a year and a half ago, this was something that God had to work on in my life. Um, not for anything bad, but just something he was asking me to do. And it was a time where I had to choose whether to walk in obedience to him or to choose my own thing. So a year and a half ago, I'd been serving on our worship team for probably the good chunk of 14 years. There was maybe a year or so in there with having really small kids that I chose. I needed to step down for a little bit, but pretty well for 14 years, that's what I did. I loved being on the worship team. I love worship. Like, if you know anything about Chris and myself, like, we love to sing. We love to worship Jesus. Like, it's our heartbeat. And so this was something I loved. I loved the team, like being on that team. I mean, you just see them. How much fun are they? Like, I loved being with them and serving alongside of them. I loved the vision where Pastor Matt was taking the team and what he was having them do. I loved, I was, I was in having opportunities where I got to lead songs and I got to, um, you know, I'd play keys and I loved it. And then one day, I felt the Lord really just stirring in my heart that you need to step down from the worship team. And I was like, what? Why? I love this. Like, this is the one ministry that I get to do that is because I want to do it. It's one thing I get to do because I just love it and I get to be a part. And he's like, I need you to be an example. And yes, you can be an example up there, but I need you to be an, an example down here. And I need you to stand next to your husband, and I need you to show what it is to have a healthy marriage, a marriage that supports one another and is right by each other, and that you worship Jesus together. To be an example of, of somebody who just loves the Lord, and to show really that I support him and his vision for the church. Like That's just what I felt God was calling me to do. So I called up Pastor Matt and was like, I need to have a conversation with you. And it was one of the hardest conversations I've had to have because it was laying down something I loved. You have to humble yourself to do that. And you have to be willing to sacrifice and to give up to Jesus. Sometimes things that aren't bad, but things that he's asking you to walk in obedience. It can be a big thing. It can be a small thing. But walking in obedience to him and being Jesus-centered is a part of surrender. Sometimes it can feel like sacrifice. It can be really difficult to do. And like you're maybe letting go of happiness. Like why would I let go of something that I really, really love? Like that doesn't make sense. Doesn't Jesus want me to be happy? The people who live surrendered lives to Jesus are the genu most genuinely happy people on earth. Giving our lives to Jesus all the way and living as others-centered person does not take away from our lives. It adds to it. It's truly the best life when you're living surrendered to Jesus, and I would want nothing else in my life. The third thing that we have to do to live a surrendered life would be to lose the ashamed status. 
The ashamed man believes. You can't be ashamed of something that you don't believe in. He believes, but doesn't take satisfaction and confidence in his belief. When I read that, that was like, oh, like to be in a shame, if you are ashamed of something, it means that you believe in it because you're not going to be ashamed of something that you don't believe in. An ashamed person means that you don't want to be seen together in public, that you don't want to talk about him. It means you avoid him when possible. You don't take satisfaction and confidence in your belief. So to me, that says that you don't understand the fullness of who Jesus is and what he's done for you if you live ashamed of him. A fully surrendered life no longer cares about being seen as a Jesus follower. When your love for the Father stretches wider than your pride, because ultimately that's what it is, is that we care more about what everybody else thinks than what Jesus thinks. Then we'll see the fullness of the Lord. That's where true joy and contentment is found is in our surrender. In 2 Samuel, David, who was the man, if you've heard of him, he's considered the man after God's own heart. He was um, just an awesome man, and he was, I mean, he'd made mistakes, but he loved the Lord. And so he, at one point, was found dancing before the Lord, and people thought he was crazy. His wife even told him, I don't want you doing that anymore. I don't want you out in the courts dancing like you're embarrassing me. That's weird. And he's like, I'm not going to stop dancing. Why? Because I know what God has done for me. I'm going to dance for him even greater and even crazier and even wilder because I know what God has done for me. And when we can get to a place where we understand what it is God's done for us, then we can't help but love him and show people how much we love him. When I was in high school, I remember sitting in, in seats. I was kind of off to the side, and we had a ministry group come that was doing, like, playing worship and singing, and they were, they were all in. Like, they were raising their hands, and they were singing, they were shouting, and you could just see that they loved the Lord. They were doing dramas. They were speaking the word. They were praying. And there was no doubt how they felt about God and what God had done in their life. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, I want to raise my hands because... I love Jesus, but I'm scared because none of my friends are doing that. They're all just standing there. And, but I want to do that because I feel like I should, but I was scared. So I asked one of them, I was like, would you pray with me? Because I want to be bold for Jesus. I want people to know that I love him. And I want to be unashamed. And I was in a, like, this was at church. This was in a Christian environment where people should not be thinking that you're crazy because we all love Jesus but that's where I was and she prayed for me and from that moment on I decided I'm gonna live bold for Jesus that doesn't mean that there's not moments that I still struggle with that if you know anything about the Enneagram I'm an Enneagram too, people pleaser I don't want people to think poorly of me but I love Jesus more because at the end of our life, at the end of the day, when Jesus returns, he's not going to ask you, did you have a lot of friends? Were you popular? He's not going to ask you, did you become the great CEO of a company? Did you chase down your dreams and not do the smallest thing that I asked you to do? No, he's going to come and he's going to say, did you live for me unashamed? Because if he finds you living or living ashamed of him, it says in the word that he will be ashamed of you. And I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me because I love him. 
to live unashamed doesn't mean that you have to be crazy. It doesn't mean you have to be like me on the front row and jump and dance and sing and shout. It doesn't mean that you need to stand on the street corners and preach the gospel and yell at all the people walking by. In fact, please don't do that. It doesn't mean that you should wear a t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy, and let people just read that to be speaking out loud for Jesus. But it does mean that when you fully recognize what Jesus has done for you, when you fully surrender to him, you can't help but exude Jesus. It'll just come out of you. It'll shine. You'll radiate Jesus. You'll love people. You'll tell people about him because it's just part of who you are. It will be unmistakable. So this morning as we close, I want to ask you three questions. The first one is, are you serving Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't even know this person that I should be unashamed of. I don't believe in him, but today I want to make that step. If that's you, this morning I encourage you, all you have to do is ask him to forgive you. Ask him into your heart. You can do it right where you're sitting. And just tell him, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I believe in you. I trust that you are the way and help me to live for you. Freedom comes through giving up your control and resting in him. And this morning, if that's you, I pray that you make that step because it's the greatest step you could ever make to live surrendered in that way to him. Secondly, are you focused more on yourself than you are on sacrifice? Are you putting your wants, your desires, your plans, your dreams ahead of what God has for you? Are you putting the things that you need above those of people around you that need Jesus, that need love. Self-sacrifice is hard. It's really hard, but it's worth it. When we're willing to step aside and allow God to be the one who controls our life. And thirdly, are you unashamed of him? If you live ashamed of him, when he returns, he will be ashamed of you. And I pray that when he comes back, that he finds you faithful and he finds you in a place that you just love him. So step out in faith, stand in awe of him. Humble yourself before the Lord. Take on a new posture in worship and prayer. Be bold and speak out where maybe you haven't before and invite others along with you on the journey. This life's about surrender, and when we're fully surrendered to him, that's when we will truly start living. And it's the best thing in the world. So as we close this morning, I ask you to stand with me, and we're gonna sing one last worship song. And while they sing, I ask for you, whether it's in your seat or you come forward and make that step, Examine your heart and see what are some places that maybe you're not living fully surrendered to Jesus. And let him work on you today. Offer yourself to him and surrender 